This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is another Astros podcast. AJ, we were talking the other day, the American League West certainly... Before the season looked like it was going to be better, it's proved to be true, including the Seattle Mariners who come into town for two games. Uh, they're playing good baseball. They are. They, they're winning some really close games. They've, they've really pitched well. Um, it's been kind of their calling card for the, the better part of the last couple of weeks, and they, um, that really turned things for them. They're scoring opportunistic runs when they can. They're winning close games. They're, uh, they're playing a little bit better defense. They've, they've got some breakthrough guys in Hanniger. Um, you know, in, in who's played well? They got Healy backs. So they've they've got a formidable team that you have to play well to beat. And you got to put them away when you have the lead. It's really tough when James Paxton is pitching. He's become one of the best pitchers in the league. How do you even go about it? Well, you got to time up ninety eight, um, <laughs> which is easier said than done. You know, um, and and especially a left handed big big dude and yeah. has some power stuff. And and if he's in the strike zone, he, he attacks and he's really tough to hit. If he's not, you got to try to lay off. Uh, but it's a it's an exercise in hitting the fastball, especially early in the game. He throws 75-80% fastballs the first time through, so if you can time it up, get a good pitch to hit, you can do uh, a little bit of damage, put some pressure on him. We've had some successful nights against him. We've had some other nights where he's been purely dominant. So um, another line of good pitchers that we're facing, he's, he's certainly one of the best. I was noticing in April he wasn't getting the ball up in the zone. He was throwing everything low in, in May. It looked like he took off when he started to elevate the fastball, try to stay off of that. He does, and it's, it's easier said than done, like yeah. I said, with the velo. But, um, you know, his ball down is, um, is very hittable. It's, it's also the same plane. He throws his cutter, and, and, and if you're laying off his breaking ball, then anything that pops up out of his hand, then you take. So, yeah. it's, you know, again, this is one of the premier left-handers. He hasn't been healthy his whole career. When he's put it together, we've seen a no-hitter uh, yeah. against – a different team. We've also seen him, you know, have to come out of the game early if if you get to his fastball. What have you noticed with Dallas Keuchel when he's good, and it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, and when he's bad? I think it all comes down to his mentality on attacking the strike zone. When he's uh, pitching around contact or pitching to the edges and relying on a little bit of a loose strike zone or or hitters chasing, he can get himself into some yeah. trouble. When he's got the mindset, he's initiating contact because he's going to be in the zone so much, and he keeps that contact on the ground. He's really, really tough to hit. Um, it gives him so many options when he pitches ahead. When he pitches behind, um, guys generally can lay off that breaking ball in the dirt or that, that change up, and he's, he becomes a one-pitch pitcher. And like anybody in this league is going to have a hard time with that. So uh, pitch one's always important, but the first couple pitches, if he can get into, into some pitcher's counts, he gets, you know, he gets soft contact. I want to ask you about Alex Bregman for a little bit. He's solidified in the two-hole in your lineup. A great eye at the plate. Is there at any point where you'd like him to expand a little bit, or you want him to stay exactly the way he is? I do think he's he's taken to heart knowing the strikes. I mean, he'll come back to the dugout after a couple pitches that are calling him, and he'll say, "AJ, that's two inches outside." He's right, and, right? and he's right. Yeah. And it, and, it, and he, he does know the strike zone, and I applaud him for the work he's put in to stay balanced. He keeps his head calm. He he recognizes pitches, so all that's really good. Um, I think in the in the run scoring opportunities, a guy on third, less than two outs, maybe. 
uh, first and third and one out. There's there's a there's a an aggressive mentality to score the run that can be had and maybe not be so perfect and waiting for a really good pitch. So fine line. You don't want him chasing. You don't want him up there swinging and auto hacking and and swinging out of his out of his character, but. Um, you can be a run producer in the two hole just like you can in, down in the order, and, and if this opportunity comes up where he can put the ball in play and we score a run, then he'll he'll end up doing it. And lastly, you were talking the other day about players who perform well in the postseason or maybe just big games in general are a little calmer, you know, have the the slower mm-hmm. uh, heart rate and things of that nature. Is that something that you guys can teach them? I don't know if you teach them as much as you remind them, you know, when when they're feeling it or when it's good or or. Um, you can find different ways to, to, to take the air out of the balloon, so to speak, and mm-hmm. just kind of decompress the moment. Um, some good reminders. I mean, I, I think you simply have to experience it uh, to know how you're going to react. We have no idea. We're, you know, we have a, uh, young kids that are coming up. You have no idea how these guys are going to react in the moment. Going into the World Series last year, we had no idea how our guys were going to react. Yeah. Um, and so I think knowing your players and knowing what makes them tick, you know, recognizing when there's a little bit of a tense moment or when there's a, a time to, to, um, to, to relieve some of that pressure, that's what, that's what coaching is. And you can, you can coach the moment more than you can coach a reaction because competitively they're going to react how they react. Is there a psychology in your mind to, to make sure that they feel like they're more prepared than the other team? Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, it's been a staple since I've been here. We are going to be the most prepared team, and, and we give them as much information as anybody um, and I think that's, you know, that's all you can control. You know, you go, you go in this sport, there's so much out of your control that you have to focus on what you can control. You can tr- control your preparation. You can control your game plan. Um, then it's a reaction sport and you got to go out and compete. But preparation will always be part of something you can control. The Houston Astros Radio Network. And he lifts this one. Left field. Arriba. Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel with the three-run shot. Steve Sparks. Robert Ford. Whoever in this crowd wasn't standing before, well, they're getting to their feet now. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Robert Ford joined by Mike Blowers, television broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners, former big league player as well. And uh, the draft's going on right now, a big moment in a, in a lot of people's lives. And you were drafted 10th round, 1986, by the, the Montreal Expos. And you had been drafted a few times before you actually signed, uh, got drafted at the University of Washington. What do you remember about that day? The process was different then. I remember um, that I was disappointed. Um, you mentioned I've been drafted a few times before that. My expectations, I had a really good year at the University of Washington. And back then you would have conversations with scouts all the time. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time, but they have a tendency to overpromise, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So we actually had our awards banquet the first day of the draft, the first night of the draft. And when I came home, I asked my mom who had called, and she said, nobody. And so I was a bit surprised by that. Then later that night, Whitey Dehart, who has since passed away, he was a big scout with the Expos at the time, had called me um, and asked me if I was signable. I was a junior, so I could have gone back to school. And because I had not signed the previous times that I'd been drafted, he was just basically covering his bases on that. And I said, yeah, I, I, I need to get this thing going. I need to move on and try to get on with my career. So, yes, I'm very innocent. He said, okay, we have the first pick tomorrow, which is in the 10th round. But if you're not going to sign, let me know because there's a pitcher in Louisiana that we really like. I said, no, I'm good to go. So first thing the next morning, the phone rings, and it was them um, letting me know that they had drafted me. Whitey was out at my house later that evening. He lived in Portland, actually. I was in the Seattle area. And he came out, and um, it took us about five, six days to get things worked out. But I signed, and off I went. And by the time I got on the plane, I was just excited to be playing and getting a chance to live out my dream, even though initially I was disappointed because I thought I was going to go much higher. 
but you know, sometimes things work out for a reason. For me, it was the right place for me to be with the Expos at the time. Um, it forced them to basically trade me away later on, and that's how I got to the big league. So um, you never know what to expect. I knew going into it I was going to sign because mm -hmm. um, it was just junior years typically when guys will leave school. Um, and I'm just glad in the end it worked out. And I'm glad my dad made me stay in school too. I, I would have signed earlier if I could have, but he talked me into staying in school, which gave me an opportunity to grow up, which I needed to. Um, I don't think, I think if I'd have signed out of high school or maybe my freshman year, I'm not sure I would have made it. I was ready by the time I was a junior, so I was happy that I was 21 years old moving on with it. Now looking at this Mariners team that, that you've been covering and, and watching on a daily basis, winners of 13 of their, of their last 16 ball games, uh, what, what has it been during this stretch? Seems like a lot of close games during that time. It's been that. Um, you know, James Paxson, who's going to go tonight, has been terrific. He's had a great month of May. That certainly has helped. But these guys have won a lot of one-run ball games, 18 one-run wins this year. I think there's a couple things involved with it. The starting pitching has finally come around this last month, so they're keeping the team in the games. And if they can find a way to get a lead, they typically will hold on to it. The bullpen has been terrific, especially with the addition of Colome. Give Diaz a little bit of a break, but they have power arms out there that have really pitched well. And then they have a knack for hitting good pitching late in games. And I think part of it is they have some power. Um, they've hit, I think, 25 home runs late, seventh inning or later, but they can hit the fastball. Breaking ball, changeup, that can give them some trouble. Um, it'll be interesting seeing Keuchel tonight um, and how they're going to approach that. But typically, most bullpens have power arms, and they do well against them. You know, you had the big loss with Robinson Cano in mid-May initially breaking his hand and then the 80-game suspension, meaning ineligible for the postseason when he does eventually come back. Um, a lot of teams, that's tough for them, the weather. How has the, it changed the dynamic not having Cano here? It's changed. There's no question about it. You're talking about one of the premier players in the game, um, and, and he's been missed. There, there's no question. But I think that there's something, even from my own experience in 1995, Ken Griffey Jr. crashed into a wall mid-May. We lost him for the majority of the season. But we knew at one point we were going to get him back. But we had to figure out how we were going to stay in this thing because we leaned on Junior so much. Well, it made all of us grow up quickly. And there's a majority of us, including myself, ended up having our best seasons. I think that what you've saw, seen from these guys is a lot of that, too. They just kind of pulled together. Um, they have some talented guys on their team. Offensively, they can swing it. It's, it's a different dynamic depending where you go. The two guys at the top can run and are very aggressive. The guys in the middle are a little more patient than you have Cruz in the cleanup spot. And they have some power at the end of the lineup. But I think for them, they just kind of tried to turn the page as quickly as it can, as difficult as that might be. Moving D helps because you have a guy that was a gold glover at second base. They moved him in from center field. And Heredia is probably their best outfielder, and he's been playing center. Um, I don't know if they're going to address anything as far as the offense goes because Robbie's not going to be available. Um, they have strength in the bullpen, like I said, and we'll see where everything goes with the rotation. But overall, it's a difficult thing, but I think it can help you in the long run if you look at it the right way, and they have. Mike Blowers, uh, Mariners television broadcaster. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime. Good talking to you. The Houston Astros Radio Network. And Alex Lines is in the left center field. That's a base hit. Fisher around third and coming home. The throw to the plate. Not in time. Astros win. Astros win. Robert Ford. He's a baseball player. Alex Bregman. Steve Sparks. That's how you play baseball. The Houston Astros Radio Network.